Hello, and welcome back to the You Show Show. It is the show where you show things. Uh, today I'm joined again by Chris Livingood. Hello, Chris. Hello. I am Kelvin Laser McMurray, and today we are going to be talking about Alien Isolation. Um, Chris, you for were there. 18 hours. For 18 hours, and we're going to put it in 18 episodes. <laughs> um, going to be isolated with zero <laughs> listeners by the end of this. Yeah, I don't... We'll have alienated all of you. Yes, and in like time, everything is circular, exactly, yeah. Alienate the podcast, that's officially the new, the new title of this now. We're going to have to change it all, so... Um, well, um, I guess uh, after talking about The Last of Us for 12 years, yeah, now we're on to our, what is our technically second product, which is Alien Isolation. Um, I guess let's start just right at the beginning. What did you think of Alien Isolation? Um, so I played it like I have watched some really stellar films that had really hinky pacing and like a fantastic message uh or or just a tone to them um i really enjoyed it a lot and and when i say i enjoyed it as a game it is fine as an experience it is fantastic yeah it's like a yeah this is like a this is a game that's definitely like it's like 12 out of 10 stars in in the in the experience department uh in terms of what you're gonna get yourself into but yeah, this story, and we can get into it, is a little shallow, which is a little bit of a bummer, but I was still happy as, like, an Alien fan, but there was a lot they could have done with this in terms of story and character development that I don't think the money really went into that. Um, but I guess let's start to, like... So, like, personally, like, I'm a, I'm a huge Alien nut. Alien is, like, the especially the first one is, like, it's just hands down one of my favorite films of all time. It is one of the best movies ever. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, there's a lot of people, obviously like the, the fan favorite is aliens. Everybody loves aliens and I understand why. And it's a great film. Um, but I think in terms of like true cinema and like storytelling, um, alien is just the king. It is just the best. It, it, it there's so much, there's more dread. There's more scale. There's, and there's yeah. like so much like what isn't said in the movie. Exactly. That's yeah. my favorite thing is that you don't even see the corporate heads that are delivering the message to this Android, which is basically kill anybody you want. Just get the alien creature back to earth. And like that is more terrifying than the monster. And then it makes you kind of question who is the monster in the movie? Is it the monster on the ship thrashing and, 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 and goring people or is it this company that's just like telling this, you know, this this corporate Scrooge, this effectively this puppet to kind of be like, yeah, you can get away with anything you want because we have money, so it doesn't matter. Like, and um, yeah, it's a great film. I would I, I would talk for hours on end for this film, but I actually have to save it because um, I'm going to be talking about it with a friend shortly for this show. Oh wow! Um, about the 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 horrors. The film is very much, without getting into too much, and I know you know this as well, but anyone listening at home, is very much about, like, the themes. Uh, there's a lot of, like, horror in sexuality, especially in rape. In the first film, it's very much there. Um, and so in terms of the video game, I felt like that didn't come over as, as much. Well, I think, like... You know, one of the things uh, to take a beat, I guess, for the movie, uh, you know, the movie gave you the opportunity to experience, you know, sort of third person 
interactions between the alien creature and its hosts. And that offered sort of a visual opportunity to slow things down and to really carry that sort of threatening subtext over. Whereas in the game, the most horrifying thing that can happen is that you're in the room with the alien and you have to turn your back on it to run away because that just feels bad because it is very fast and it will absolutely kill you. Yeah. (laughs) I, and like, and like, so I guess the one thing that's really cool about this game is so that, so Sega, this game is produced and developed by Sega and because they've had the copyright in terms of the video games for like a very long time now. I want to say like, yeah, yeah. I was going to say for like 20 to maybe even like 30 years now, they've held the copyright for this and I can understand as like a video game development company if, you know, okay, like, you know, I own and operate a video game company and I sit down and I watch Alien, right? And it's like, yeah, okay, good movie. Um, And then somebody was like, okay, now we're going to watch Aliens. This one has space marines, machine guns, grenades, you know, like, like really cool Rambo dudes. It's like, well, I wonder which one we should make the video game off of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It, so for years, for fucking years, it was always the Aliens uh, franchise. Um, no alien game really had ever come into existence. Like that franchise had gone into, cause it is funny, even in like the comic books and the video games, it is alien versus aliens to create different universes of storytelling. It's kind of funny how that works, but, um, aliens has always been the comic books. It's always been the video games. It's always been like all the adaptions. Cause it's cool. There's, you know, machine guns and grenades. Like who doesn't want to do that in a video game? But as a result, I think it, it tones down the alien. And that's even a kind of a complaint I have with aliens. The film is it's like, this is supposed to be the most like terrifying, smart, horrendous creature. And so to see that in this game for me as a fan was like, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was great. There was like, I was simultaneously like a shitting and grin on my face while playing this, but also being terrified at the exact same time. Yeah. It yeah. was a great experience. Well, and it's a really strong sense of like your impotence against this thing. Like whatever small arms you happen to have on hand are just worthless. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, even you yourself are just worthless against this creature. There's been people that have, like, um, online talked about the alien creature and, you know, is it possible to kill it? And the answer is technically yes, but it has, I think, like, 9,999 hit points to the character, and it has a regeneration rate of, like, 99%. So you'd somehow have to, you know, and, like, the weapons don't do that in terms of damage. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's, it's physically impossible to kill the alien creature in the game. And I love that. Like, I, that's the way it should be. Like, if you're up against this thing, the odds are not stacked in your favor at all. And um, it's kind of cool, too, with that kind of, like, said, too, they, like, I don't know if you know, like, the history of it, but so before Alien Isolation, uh, they worked on a different game called, I'm sure you've heard of it, it's called Alien Colonial Marine. Yeah. And it flopped. Um, I never played it. Did you ever play it? No, Mm-mm. I never played it. I um, it got terrible. That's why it flopped. The two of us didn't play it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they were kidding. We really let them down. And we're like, we are we are their target market, and we didn't play it. And um, yeah, it got rushed. It got developed. There was even like an internal lawsuit on the game. Um, one of the developers ended up suing the other developer. I can't remember which way it went, but yeah, there was like lawsuits over the game. It is really bad. 
And um, it's really bad, too, because I guess there's a section in the game where um, you have to go up against, like, an alien that's effectively blind, and you have to, like, sneak through it and not make noise, but it glitches terribly. And somebody went through the source code of the game, and they actually found out that... um, they used, like, a semicolon when they were meant to use a comma or, like, vice versa. And that's it fucked the programming of that entire section because of that one little mistake. And it's very bizarre that, like, they've never gone back to patch it because that would be an easy patch, you know, that you can then just download to your game system to fix it. But I, I think they're just trying to, like, sweep that whole game under the rug. So... They got out of this, like, horrible disaster that was Alien Colonial Marine... And they were working on kind of like the idea of like the next IP, not the next IP, the next game to make with this IP. And somebody had basically made just a trailer um, of, again, of, a, of the design that would later become the game. It was kind of like lower quality rendering, but they were, t- they were showing like really cool uses of like light and how then they could develop a creature that is effectively hunting you through the entire game. And they showed us, like, the big wigs at Sega, and they fell in love with it. And then they greenlit it. And it's kind of cool. They um, they greenlit it, and then it, they played the movie Alien on repeat at the office for, like, weeks during the entire development. It was just Alien was on the TV so that it was just, like, you were just soaking it up, like, you know, like bread with butter. And... Um, and then they kind of went through a couple different things. They were originally going back and forth between like a first person and a third person mode. And I'm really glad they settled on the first person because I think it really helps like that that narrow tension and that like it just makes it more dreadful. When you can like pan your camera around a corner in a video game and cheat a little bit, it really takes that tension away. And uh, this game, I think, does a great, great job with it. So, but yeah, I love this game. I, um, I, uh, the story is is <laughs> the story's pretty short. Well, and so I wanted to dive in. You know, one you sort of your initial synopsis. I don't think the story is. It is certainly not less complicated than the story in the original film Alien. It just builds on. It's interesting because I don't think you can unsee Alien and its themes of you know corporate space politics and you know bloodthirsty capitalism. I think you you if you've seen that. I guess it would be hard for me to step back and say, did this film miss a beat there? I don't think it did. I think the film, you know, the film and the, the game, actually, I think the game has a denser, more vibrant story. It certainly has more time to tell the story. And I think for that reason, because there's so, it's such a slow plotting exploration based game that even if you read everything and you really look around and listen and try to soak in all the ways they're trying to kind of, uh, impart the world as it stands on the player, I think it still is just sort of, uh, you know, it's. I think I might, might have put 14 or even 18 hours into it. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily a less strong representation. I just think that it's hard for, for a game, it is very hard for a game in 2014, I think it was. Is that when it came out? 2014. Uh, where they were just beginning to like do composite facial animation based on real actors and, and on and on. I just don't think they were quite there yet tying the visual and the storytelling and the rhythm of the storytelling together. But I really liked the story. I thought it had a great deal of depth. I liked it. I like, I do, I, I wish, the, I guess when I say that the, the story's a little bit simpler is that I wish we had more time 
I guess what I'm trying to say is I wish we had more time on Amanda Ripley herself because yes. so, the, so the story starts out. So, okay. Are, are you, have you ever seen the director's cut of aliens? And I'm talking specifically the director's cut. I think I have. Um, I can't remember for sure. So aliens came out in theaters and um, people knew that Ellen Ripley played uh, wonderfully by Sigourney Weaver had a daughter. I, I believe it's mentioned in the first film, but it was definitely brought up in like books and like the fans then figured it out that she has a daughter. Yeah. So the theatrical cut of aliens, they never even bring it up. And so um, there's the director's cut and a lot of people like the director's cut. It's good. I think it's worth watching, but I actually kind of like the original cut more. The pacing works a lot better. But anyway, there's a scene in the director's cut of Aliens where Burke comes in. uh, There's like a hologram room that is like simulating plants and nature because they're on a spaceship. And he comes in and he's like, hey, Ellen, um, I want to talk to you. You know, you asked about your daughter, Amanda Ripley. And he shows her a photo and it's actually the photo of Sigourney Weaver's mother in real life. And now she's quote-unquote yeah yeah and so he hands her the photo and he says this is your your daughter fun little fact he, he tells her that she died uh in wisconsin and wisconsin has this thing that anytime we get mentioned we just like shit our pants it's kind of funny <laughs> and i remember like as a kid i was like oh my god dude like aliens talks about wisconsin like that's so cool and um and then burke informs her that she died in like you know she died she was married she was living i think he says she was he she was living in wisconsin and she was like 80 something years old and so it was just a whole deleted scene and that transformed into a lot of things especially in like the comic books and everything else um amanda ripley would go on to become an actual character there's a whole comic series on her that do tie in with the video game as well um, they kind of turn her into a superhero, not really, but that like comic book, you know, yeah. pulpy yeah. hero. And it, they're okay. They're they're worth the read, but they're not. I I just don't I just don't think that that style should exist in the aliens world, especially now that it's owned by Disney. That's even weirder to yeah. think. Like yeah. fucking Disney owns Alien now. I fucking hate Disney so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Like. Yeah, they just released a new comic series through Marvel. Um, I'm reading it right now, and it's it's okay. I um, do you ever notice in games? It's actually funny that we're talking about this too, because just this week they released Aliens uh, Fireteam Elite. And did you ever play um, Predator Hunting Ground? Uh, no, I didn't. No. It's an it's an okay game, but like these comic books and these video games that are all based off of IPs from the 80s, every single one of them like uses the famous lines from those movies in their games oh, and in their new properties, and it drives me in. It's the fucking worst. It drives me insane, because it's like, in the context of this story that you're telling, it technically doesn't even make sense, because like, you're It's just... completely decontextualized. Yes. Yeah. And um, and so that was one thing with Alien Isolation that I'm really glad they didn't do. So that's where we get Amanda Ripley. And so we play as her in this game. And there's no, like, cheap one-liner callbacks to the famous quotes of the other Alien franchises. I don't think there's one in the whole game. And that's another reason I love it. So the only thing that I guess, long story short about Amanda, is that I, w- I personally wish... We could have gotten to know her character a little bit more. Um, I know that a lot of times in games, like, 
the character is just kind of like the avatar for you and then you can kind of inject your own senses and you can build your own story in your head like but as I played Amanda I didn't feel like you know going back to like The Last of Us I felt like Ellie I felt like Joel I felt like Abby when I played those characters when I play Amanda Ripley I feel like Kelly McMurray who's hiding from a giant space <laughs> alien you know what I mean and um, that space team would go away now exactly exactly what did yes. I do to you yep. you jerk I would be the worst in a situation like that you would do a lot better than me I believe I think I'd be one of the first to die because I would just not not stop talking I so just throw myself to it just be like get it over with <laughs> let's just get this done with I can't handle I'm this a anymore. pretty big guy and I feel like most people would be like looking at me like save us and I'd be like that sounds like a lot of work <laughs> Not the guy for that. <laughs> so. But so the story picks up in, in in our game where it's yeah it's it's uh, years years later I think it's been like seventeen years basically since Ellen's uh, or Amanda's mother Ellen Ellen Ripley disappeared. I love that they again they they just they 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 took the lore and they ran with it. It wasn't like they didn't reinvent anything. It wasn't like you know we have the alien tracker machine gun now and now we're going to use it. it was just like it just felt the same like you talked about um the one thing of this game that's a 10 out of 10 yeah like you were talking about is the art direction um if you've ever seen alien this your this game is like it's this like retro future of what the 70s thought the future was going to look like but it's also genius because it looks grimy yeah if you stuck a bunch of people in space who are you know, people, stinky, greasy, pooping, eating, smoking. Smoking. Oh my God, smoking. <laughs> yep. Uh, in a fucking space station, a closed, recycled air environment, for years, it's going to get foul. Yeah, it's going to get a little ripe. And you can definitely feel that in the first film, and you can definitely feel it in this game, too. There's like... Um... Like, I, there's just, there's, like, clutter in the game. There's garbage. There's, like, there's things that they do that, like, the the artwork and the style, even the motion tracker, because that was another famous thing from Aliens was the motion tracker. And they technically had one in the first movie. It was a little bit yeah. different. And they, they really, like, they focused, and I think, like, a lot of the budget went into the alien creature and the art direction to, again, create that experience. Um but so yeah, we're playing as Amanda, and basically, um, there's a there's a there's a so in the future of aliens, there's like the multi there's like the multi corporations. Um, Weyland Yutani is the one that we hear about the most from the the, the alien films and franchise. But there's another one called Siegson, um, and that's actually another thing that I was really cool to see um, was like an exploration of the other corporations because a lot of the fan you know not excuse me a lot of the other alternative fiction. There was um, mentions of like different corporations, but not a lot of it went into it. So that was like another really cool thing too. I was like, oh, like it's not just Wayland is the bad guy. They are, and they're in the game, but it's way more subtle. You know what I mean? Well, not being handed all the answers is one of my favorite things. You know, good media really leaves you with a lot to chew on, lets you sort of wander around corners. You know, for me, when I think about you know Ellen Ripley or Amanda Ripley, I'm thinking, what was life like for you on Earth? Like, to find yourself in space, you know, relegated to a small crew vessel doing dangerous missions, and kind of a horrifying, oppressive social environment um, in the black of space, 
You know, like what, how did you get from point A to point B? And, and the fact that they never tell you lets you really invest in wondering what life was like back on Earth. That's a good point because like in Alien, you know, um, all the crewmates are constantly talking about their shares, you know, yeah. like are we going to get paid for this? And they even in Alien talk about, um, you know, somebody is like, yo, let's just skip this. I don't want to do this. And then um, the captain of the ship, Dallas, is like, you know – in the company contract, it states that if you don't investigate this, you forfeit all of your shares. So you're going to get paid zero dollars. And so you're feeling this like constant economical pressure that is the definition of like corporate greed, even in 2021. And definitely oh, I was going to say to me that like is a resonant horror that is so much more palpable now. Like when the original Alien was made. You could work at a fucking Wendy's and like buy a house. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Um, and as yeah, as time would progress, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely changed a little bit. And, um, and since we're recording this on the eve of Labor Day, just a reminder to everybody: support your union. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the reason your children aren't working at a canning factory. So, um, yep. um, and so that was there. And so yeah, that was one thing that I like too. Is um, it also feels like because because so Ellen was like kind of you know she's a, you know they always say like the space truckers and so I've always felt that like economical pressures was very much a theme in the first film and so then in light of that I feel like Amanda has just followed in her mother's footsteps almost like as a way to like I've always felt like it's like a way for her to get closer to the answers of what happened to her mom like if I absolutely I mean that that. That reads, mm-hmm. I think, instantly as a... As and she's, I, you know, you got to imagine, like, again, you know, if, if you were in her boat and you wanted answers, yeah, that's what I would go do. And um, it's always funny, too. There's never been any chat ever of, of who her father is, ever. In all the stuff, Alien, that I've ever read, there's never a mention of, like, you know, Sigourney Weaver, Ellen's, you know, husband or boyfriend or that matter or anything. Clearly, it was a predator. Uh, <laughs> hey, I don't got time to bleed. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> throw in those, we gotta throw in those goddamn quotes, or else people won't understand it's a predator game. Um, yes. Um, I also, really quick, I don't know about you. Okay, so in Aliens, here's another little fun fact. In Aliens, they're, they're, the, the Marines are above LV-426, you know, the planet where the alien, the derelict ship is crash on, and they're gonna go down and explore. Um, um, the colonists and figure out what's going on. And they're doing the military briefing. And somebody says, I don't even know who, somebody says it's a xenomorphic creature. And that's like the name of the alien now. And I don't know why it drives me fucking nuts because a xenomorphic creature is a creature that has capabilities of walking on two legs and four and can go between the two seamlessly. It's not a name. And I know it sounds like a crazy, well, weird alien. So the creature name? does have a name, actually. It's specifically Xenomorph XX one two one. That's its that's its corporate sequence name. Okay, all right. Um, but I think what I'm talking about is like, <laughs> like I'm like all chat forums and everything. It's like, oh yeah, yeah it's just it's the like, Xenomorph. It's just the yeah. Xenomorph. And for some, yeah. even in like that new in the. Um, that it's funny that we're talking this week because again that aliens fire team elite just came out this week. I've been playing it. It's fun. It's dumb fun, but it is a fun game. Yeah. But like, yeah, you've got like a like you've got like a commando radio, you know, and it, it's like a uh, woman. How many times has that game screamed? Get some, get some. Yeah. 
It's very ambitious, yeah. Yeah, and like you, like one of the lines in the game is like, "We're gonna wipe out these Xenos," and I'm like, "Dude, fucking stop!" I know it was said in the second movie, just stop. And um, but uh, so they don't even mention Xenomorph in in this game too, which is another reason why I love it. Um, and um, so yeah, so Amanda's like, she's she's upset, she's angry, she doesn't know whatever her mom, and basically. She's working for Wayland Yutani, and we discover that they have found like a transmission, a beacon aboard a Sigson uh, 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 ship, and that if Amanda agrees to go, you know, she might get some answers. And then, of course, we get to um, we get to the the Sigson ship. It's ginormous. It's like a traveling hub, kind of like a space destination. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Um, and yeah, that's when we discover that all hell has broken loose, that an alien creature has somehow gotten on board. We don't know how. I'm Samuels. I work for the company. It's about your mother. We think we may have found her, Amanda. A commercial vessel, the Anisadora has recovered what we believe to be the flight recorder unit of the Nostromo. Where? Zeta Reticula. What did it tell you? We don't know. The unit was taken to Sevastopol Station. It's proprietorial material, so the company wants it to be collected as soon as possible. Sevastopol's a supply depot in the region. It's a... Permanent freeport. I know what it is. Then, as we're like getting on the ship too, uh, I do like that they sever. Like, so you're getting from your ship to the bigger ship, and basically, an explosion happens, and that's kind of the the triggering point of the game. To then, it 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 gives an explanation as to why you're incapable of getting reinforcements, and I do really like that sequence a lot. Um, they do like the spacewalk. Um, that again, those spacesuits, everything just like fits in the in the universe perfectly. What happened here? My God, Ripley, you're doing good, Tim. Just keep moving. And then it's just right away, like, it's, it's something, something's gone to hell. Um, this is actually one more small gripe I have with the game. Um, the beginning section is good. Um, it, it, right away, as soon as you get on Sevastopol Station, it's like, you can tell something is going wrong and it's just, it's pulling you in. It's saying, come on in and kind of get familiar with how you're going to feel for the next, you know, 20 hours or so. Um, but my gripe is that they have spray paint all over the wall and like paint of like messages, like get out and run. And it's always, it's always, it's always bothered me because it's like, if this kind of just happened recently, wouldn't your priority be literally anything else but painting on the wall, but whatever, they're trying to create theme and like, you know, a a sense of dread in the game. I get it. I've just always like, 
So the space station's collapse, like, you know, it seemed like that there was a mixture of lack of communication, like, you know, firewall communication. There was sort of the collapse of the, yeah, and there are it's seemingly thousands of people on this station. I mean, this is not a small ship. It's, it's a pretty large space station. And so there was like factions and, you know, what would basically form a constabulary and corporate military presence and civilians and people just kind of went bonkers for however many hours. But I didn't really get a good sense of like scale of time of how long this place had been fucked. I got the impression maybe a week. Okay. See, and I've always felt like it, yeah, it's been like two, maybe three days because I, I would just have such a hard time accepting that like the alien creatures on board and this many people have been allowed to live that long. So I've always felt like it's been like, two, maybe three days. But yeah, it, it's, it's indeterminate. I'm Ripley. Where'd you come from? Ripley. Off station. A ship. There's no ships here. There are now. Well, that's good news. Because things are not so good here. Something blew just now. Rocked this whole place. I saw it. But lady, that's the least of our problems. Yeah? Yeah. Something's on this station. Something you wouldn't believe. Like what? A killer. You get it? Okay. We get on the ship. Shit's gone to hell. We meet a guy. And that's a funny thing, too, about this game. I, I can remember Amanda Ripley's name. Um, and then there's Samuels, uh, your, your friendly AI companion. But beyond that, I don't know about you. I can't remember anybody else's name in this game. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like... Pretty much every character after that, it's just like, okay, you're just here to basically serve the purpose to die, which is to motivate me as a character to go do something else. It's kind of funny, so. I guess, you know, one of the things that I want to touch on sort of at the beginning that I really liked is the game switches gears a lot. There's a lot of chaos that happens and a lot of uh, your character kind of getting bounced around from event to event, but it actually starts, you know, with you arriving at the station the deployment into the station goes, you know, pretty wrong, all things considered. And it drops you in solo um, in a way that felt... Uh, going back to... We talked about Dead Space a little bit, another game that's sort of set in a very alien-inspired sort of environment, featuring another main character engineer, I might add. Um, you know, and similarly, you arrive basically crashing into safety... And have to kind of catch your bearings. And so they managed to kind of start off on an elevated foot, slow things down. And the game kind of undulates constantly, ratcheting tension backwards and forwards. And it managed to get away with it more times than probably any other game I've played. And the station really is a big part of providing that rhythm because the station has very cloistered spaces and very open spaces. And uh, I just thought the station plays a character that is every bit as interesting as any other character in the game. The background is a great character. Yes, and and again, it like plays at the end of the art direction, but like you said too, one thing that I also really liked that I wasn't fully anticipating was also then like the variety of you have to deal with humans. You have to deal with uh, the work, the working Joes. Everybody loves a working Joe, yeah. um, which is Seekson's artificial intelligence uh, model that is made sure. way, way more cheaply. Even their faces are just this cheap plastic mold, and they look fucking terrifying. Um, 
The game got a lot of complaints that there's one too many robots and not enough alien, and I, I can kind of understand that a little bit, but I did like the Joes. They were a good character to have to deal with um, because the alien would leave them alone. Because I don't know about you, but when I played the game and there's a group of humans, I just take out my wrench and I just bang the wall and then I go hide and all the humans are taken care of. That's how I play the game. Um, but with the Joes, that's not an option because the alien doesn't give a fuck about robotic creatures. It serves no purpose to the creature, so it just effectively ignores it. Um, but that was the thing, too. Like, like I don't know. Like, I always found myself playing the game never yeah like never worrying or never concerned about like any of the other humans because you do come in contact with them and they will shoot at you if you see them i don't know did you play it in any way where like you shot them you worked your way around them you didn't how did you deal with that? um you know i think the big thing was there i guess i'm a kill everything kind of player okay uh if it's there and and i can kill it i will attempt to and then if that's a lot of fun, and it is. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> uh -huh. So what ended up, they ended up being a real pain in the ass because there's, there are a lot of them, and they actually put you into direct conflict with them whether you want to or not at a certain point in the game that's kind of high tension. Um, if you are into, you know, saving your ammunition, they're definitely not your best friend. But But I ended up finding, like, a good rhythm, you know, in terms of wrenching them, backing off, wrenching them again, etc., but yeah, I think what that was probably one of the more compelling bad guys because you know the alien at this point is a pretty well worn trope. These things are uncanny valley as fuck and kind of moan as they hunt you down and moan as they die in a way that is uncomfortably borderline erotic in a weird way. <laughs> uh huh. So yeah, they're just unpleasant and they're just like they're spooky. They got those creepy like glowing orange eyes. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's a cool game because it's like again, it's like. See, I'm the, I'm the, like, save the ammo, and most of the time, especially, like, so, like, with the humans, like I was saying, like, I would just take the, like, take out my wrench, bang the wall, make a really loud noise, draws in the alien, the alien kills the humans, and then I'm safe to go about it, but yeah, with the Joes, I always just snuck around them, it was always, like, save your ammo, and, and, like, I, I mentioned this in the, when we were talking about The Last of Us, I'm a person where, like, if I have to sit there for 20 minutes and wait, I will. And I love it. I love every second of it because that tension is so fun for me. Yeah. And this game is a great stealth game. It really is. There are a lot of things that the game gives you to let you decide how you want to tackle it and how you want to go about it that I loved. Um, like the more I play it like now, like even like with the, the creature, for example, you know, you can hide in lockers but, like, I play the game now where I don't even hide in lockers at all anymore because I just feel like they're kind of a death trap. So I play yes. it by literally just staying under desks, going around corners, peeking around. Like, they have the – I love the peek. Every first-person shooter should have a peek mode. I don't know why some don't. It drives me nuts. Um, Rainbow Six Siege has a great peek mode where you can just tap a button and you, you're either leaning around the left corner or leaning around the right corner, depending on what button you have. And this game does the same thing. You can even peek up and down as well. And, like, I love it, man. It's just, like, every corner, every desk, just peeking around it. When you hear that creature, I love it when you're, like, hiding under a desk and the creature walks by and you can see its tail get, like, really close to you and then, like, slither away. Oh, dude, it's just, like... As an alien fan, it's just like this game, in my opinion, is just like a dream come true. Because again, it's like 
you're not just shooting down this dumb AI companion, not companion, uh, enemy that's just beelining it straight towards you. You're, you're, you're outwitting and outmaneuvering a creature that's designed in every way, shape, or form to be better and faster than you are. And it's awesome. And like, you feel that the whole game. like I remember the first time playing it I had to like take breaks I had to take a moment and kind of like wipe the sweat off of my hands so I could keep moving forward I don't know if you got like that deep into it I don't know but I certainly did you know interestingly I I I kind of got into almost a trance-like state with it there was maybe the first time they set you about a third of the way into the game into a situation where there's sort of an open atrial uh, sort of meeting of four or five different um, corridors. It's sort of, uh, you walk out and there's, I guess they're, ex they're civilians who've armed themselves and you have to kind of shoot it out with them. And once that's done, the alien pops into the equation and I think I died 30 times. I think that was the only time I took a, a, a break outside of, you know, playing in six or seven hour blocks. Um, this game for me ultimately was just, it, it had such a good rhythm and such a consistent aesthetic that, you know, it's sort of like a Tetris syndrome. You play the game Tetris too much and all you see is falling blocks. It got to the point where I was looking around and, and uh, again, I, I, my job is I work with you know, high-end stereo equipment and modern design. And, and I'm looking around going like, well, I can see where, you know, maybe this Danish furniture manufacturer took some cues <laughs> from this set of Alien. <laughs> That's funny. This is a game that if if you have, if you can, uh, yeah, put on headphones, turn off the lights, and, 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 and play it only in that capacity. And, you know, it kind of sucks because like, you kind of want to play it during the day. Um... But on your first experience, if you haven't played this, I, I highly recommend it because the experience of this game, like, I don't know about you, Chris, but like there's other horror games out there and I've never really found one. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like there's a lot of like first person horror games. There's one my friend played. You're like in a, you're in like an abandoned hospital, like mental institution, of course, and you oh, have nice. a... Is, is that it, what it's called? And you have the video yeah, camera, and you can yeah, turn on the night vision less. mode. And it was like, it was interesting, but it was just like, it was like, oh, this person is missing half their face, and blood is yeah. gooping out of their eye. And I'm like, that's not scary, because it still looks like a 3D computer game. It, you're never going to take that away. And 
so this game, Alien Isolation, does like a really good sense of dread of like there was moments like um, a little bit towards the end of the game when you have to actually go into the hive of the alien fucking nest. Dude, I, that shit like terrified the fuck out of me. That was probably in the game where I was like, if I had like a heart rate monitor on, my heart was probably like through the roof. Having to like look at that nest and be like, okay, I'm going to walk in there and this is going to suck. And it totally did, but it was so much fun. Like, I, I, again, I love like every second of yes, it. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, to me, one of the things that I wondered the whole time as I was playing this game is how much of what I was enjoying was visiting or seeing an expanded variant of the universe that I love through the films versus just the uni- the game on its own merit. And I think the game on its own merit um, is, it to the best of my ability, you know, is still an interesting, solid game, you know, sort of a sort of a 7 out of 10. And I don't mean that to take away from the achievement of having to be an also-ran in a universe where you're based on fucking aliens. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think it, for me, again, it bounces way above a 7 over 10 because it did successfully translate everything from the fonts, the sound of the electronics, the sound of keystrokes, you know, like have a scissor lock late 1970s key interface quality yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh, like the, you know, the computer ping of like the acceptance where it's like, yep. it's like I registered what you understood because that's what exactly. they thought computers was going to do in the seventies. And thank God they don't. Cause I'd lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I mean, I, I find all of that to be like so fascinating as like a big fan of classic cyberpunk. Um, some of the assertions about what the limits of technology were going to bring in terms of like interfaces and haptic feedback and sonic feedback. Um, there's just a, a blind spot in the imagination because we can't conceive of, you know, what we haven't dreamed of yet. Um, so, so there's this relativistic, like mechanical quality to all the technology. Everything breathes, everything sighs, everything crinkles and crunches. And it just had, uh, and I guess what I would say is that, the thing that stands out to me is is really like the sound direction of it because I did have a very good pair of headphones while playing and was able to, you know, really enjoy like when you go and hide from the alien in a locker or under a desk, that sounds a certain way. And they really made space for that. <laughs> and like and this game does a great job. There's there's some games where you can use sound to your advantage to really help hone in things. Um, oddly, like the Call of Duty multiplayer comes to mind. Um, if you play Call of Duty multiplayer with a really good pair of headphones on, it'll give you an advantage, I swear, because you can hear people through walls. And this game was the same, where like when you're hiding under a desk, there's moments with like a really good pair of headphones. They do a great job where it's like, oh, this thing is behind me and to the right. And you don't see it, but you know it because that's where you're hearing it from. So if that is an option to play this, it's an absolute must because it will give you such a different experience playing the game. Um, Yeah, the sound design, the look of everything is just spot on. I mean, this is just a absolute love letter to alien and all of its fans i mean this was made for they took a risk because again more people like aliens than alien but i'm really glad that they did it um well and i think they they did a really good job also of creating a sense of hazard you know in terms of the actual environment is a hazard to you as much as anything else is and you know obviously outside is hard vacuum so 
that's kind of a not a great place to be. But beyond that, there's, um, you know, there's a series. Uh, let's see, it's on Amazon. Uh, Caliban's War was one of the novels. Uh, gosh, I'm blanking on it right now. Oh, The Expanse. The Expanse is the only thing outside of this game and the the films in Alien that have done a really good job of making space just feel incredibly dangerous um, and showing you how much we have to put in terms of technological marvels between us and hard vacuum just to be able to have the most basic level of human function and uh, and then to be chased around by a, you know, quote-unquote xenomorph. Um, on top of that, you know, being sort of cloistered into a bad situation by a, you know, warped capitalist nightmare of a corporation, on and on and on. There's just a lot of pressure layered in really nicely within the game. Yeah, and um, it, like with that said, it's it's the reliance. The one thing that I like about the Alien franchise is that, um, you know, you watch Star Wars and, you know, they hop on the Millennium Falcon and then they go into light, you know, hyperdrive, faster than light travel, whatever. And then they're at another planet and they're not wearing any spacesuits and they're breathing the oxygen. And then they do that like five more times in the movie. And that's what I love about Alien because it's like, it's like when they land on LV-426 in that first film, the, the, the planet is fucking hostile and it's dangerous and it's fucking terrifying. And it's like, yeah, that's a little bit more realistic in terms of yeah. what we would expect about landing on other alien planets. Is Absolutely. that everything in space wants to kill you. It's very like reminiscent of um, the person who nailed it the best uh, was Stanley Kubrick, 2001 A Space Odyssey, when David's out in space and he's just breathing Stanley Kubrick said that that was very much the idea of like humans in outer space are fish out of water. Like they yes. technically can do it, but it is very hard. And the likelihood of you dying ramps exceedingly faster than, than in your prime environment. And I feel like the alien franchise along then with this game has done a really good job with that. Of again, like the needing and the reliance of technology, because it's like this game establishes that, the only way to get out of this horrible situation is to get back on your ship and you don't have communication with them, hence the reliance of technology to survive in outer space. And they do a really good job with that. Um, to, again, build the dread and to give your character a motivation to go farther in. I have to connect the satellite dish to my spaceship. And if I don't, I'm going to die. That's a really good character motivation to push forward. And I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah, uh, I think that's sort of something that I liked about all the missions is, you know, there's obviously some level of suspension of disbelief. They're not going to sit down and give you engineering drawings for, you know, beam to beam communication in space and have you hack through that as a layperson. But they, they do at least try to get you to take an intellectual leap about why you might need to do this thing or else you cannot get to this next thing. You know, I guess with all of the various, like, across the entire length of the game, all of the various things that you're tasked with doing, not all of them work out for you. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed about the game is that, you know, you can spend an hour trying to com sort of complete, you know, a task because you think it's going to work a certain way and then things go absolutely haywire. And you have to rethink your way through the station and go, oh, shit, well, now our only options are this, this, or this. This is the safest thing. We're going to go do this now. And I thought that was a little bit less, uh, it felt less confining, ultimately, as far as having to take that sort of, because you're on rails. I mean, yes, you're allowed to explore whatever area you're in, and there's some, you know, light collectibles and certainly a lot of, like, you know, sort of written information if you want it for backstory. 
but without um, without having to make it. I, I don't know. I guess just the organic nature of the storytelling um, is is what to me kept me interested and engaged in what Amanda was doing on an hour to hour basis. Um, there has to be enough meat on those bones. Yeah, and it just it's a it's a constant situation of like. It, it's from bad to worse, and they do a but they do a really good job with it. Sometimes in like almost every horror movie is the same thing, you know. Hey, look, we're at this cabin out in the middle of the woods, and our cell phones don't work. Hmm, I wonder what's gonna happen, you know? Like, yeah. And this game, I think, does a good job at that. Of again, of, of establishing like the reasons that you you're they're make they're forcing you to venture forth. They seem realistic in terms of the world of something that they would have to do based off of what they've got at hand and that i did really like it it felt believable i I never stopped at one point and was like this doesn't feel like you know it belongs you know every it was just this one constant stream and um actually fun little fact too with the art direction and the exploration of the game because you can this is actually a pretty fun game to replay um it will never be the first experience, you know, ever, you know, obviously. But um, it is. I think it is really fun to replay because there are actually quite a lot of things um, you pick up on in terms of exploration. And it's like, oh, yeah, I never even... There are some pockets that, like, I would venture to bet you didn't make it to on your first playthrough. But if you go back, you know, you might get, like, yeah, some extra ammo and some other things that kind of help you out along the way. Um, but that's another thing that I like about this game, too. What I was going to say is with the art direction... There's those little symbols. You had to have seen them. They're like, you know, like on the white doors, there's little red symbols on the doors and the walls. You can actually beat the whole game following just those symbols if you take the time to translate them, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That's another thing in the art direction in terms of game design that they did. And those symbols, again, as a love letter to the Alien film, are spot on. Because they're in the Nostromo uh, in the first film. As a matter of fact, fun little fun little fact: the next time you're watching Alien, um, in the beginning of the film, the camera is moving throughout the ship, and there's nobody there. Um, you see some like papers kick up, and it's just giving you a general exploration of the ship, and again the mood. And then the camera comes into the the hibernation room where they're all in their sleeping pods, and you see four stickers, four painted. Um, little uh, symbols on the sleeping pod and one of them is a human figure laying on his or her back and a triangle a red triangle that looks a lot like blood is emerging from the chest of the shape and it's foreshadowing of the chest burster scene in Alien later on Um, and that was another thing that they picked up on from watching the film was to put it in this game that yeah those little symbols you can you could technically never look at your minimap once and you can follow them and they will help you i That's probably fantastic. i probably didn't pick up on it i've probably played this game i want to say like maybe like 15 times i really like this oh game. wow yeah, yeah. I, I like this game a lot there's an achievement for not killing anybody in the game and i've gotten that one i actually have not gotten the um uh hardest difficulty it takes it's it's not that fun to be honest the hardest difficulty in my opinion um but there's another achievement too that that's really fun in the game is we talked about this in um um the last of us is the don't kill anybody achievement and i've I've always liked when games do that because it forces you to play a different you know obviously don't kill any human beings you have to kill the droids but um 
Um, but yeah, anyway, I didn't even notice the like symbol thing until I would say probably like my sixth or seventh time through. So it's kind of, I wish they, I wish they would have made that a little bit more of a predominant feature in the game, a little bit more noticeable. Like, you know, in the beginning they were like, Hey, follow the shapes and get your objective. So that at least could be a little bit more registered in your mind. But, um, yeah, go back and, and, and check it out, and I think I that will. you could... Yeah, I still have to play the DLC, so I might do one through main campaign playthrough again. I think that's really lovely. Um, and there's a lot of touches like that. Again, going to, like, background design, um, there's, you know, sort of a rippling early spacesuit-like quality to a lot of the sort of uh, textiles in the universe. Um, there are, you know, sort of the distance between you know, buttons on an interface. There's certain design language things that carry over really, really well. And I think a big part of it was that it actually felt like a functional, albeit 70s sci-fi space station. And uh, to learn that there's sort of stuff, you know, that's right there typographically in the world that you can just completely pass up the, you know, the, the benefit of. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah, like I said, they, they did their homework. And and then obviously there is itself, you were talking about, again, the, 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 main, the, the main piece of this whole meal, this whole smorgasbord, obviously, is the alien creature itself. And that is where the budget went. I mean, and you can tell. Um, and it, they, it had to. It had to. Um, you know, there's... There's always, you know, there's reasons to play multiplayer games. It's fun, you know, to beat a real human opponent than a computer one that's a little bit more designed in your favor to win. Yeah. But when you deal with multiplayer games, like, for example, I was talking about, you know, Rainbow Six Siege. I love that game. But you do get those people that are just, like, redonkulously good at first-person shooters. So it's not even about the strategy. They just run in shoot everybody really fast and the game is done. And it's like, well, that's not really why I'm playing this, but I understand it's different for everybody. So the AI in this game is insane. There's something like, I think there's like 500 effectively like check marks in the alien. And it will run down that entire course throughout the entire game. Um, and it will, it will, in those checks, they're like switches. They're like on-off switches. And it's all based off how you play. So it's kind of cool that if you and I sat down back-to-back -back and played this game together, you know, on you, you on your computer, me and mine, the alien would be a little bit different for you and me based off how we play. And that is fucking amazing. The creature in this feels threatening all the time. It becomes unpredictable. It becomes... There are some things that you can kind of learn, not maybe in your first playthrough, but again, the more you play, but that's, you know, any game. But the first game, you know, I remember thinking like, if I hide under this desk, of course it's going to see me because you can see straight underneath it, but you kind of learn ways to work around it. And um, I found myself backing as far out of the desk as I could, opposing where it was, uh, just trying to stay out of the line of sight. I mean, they did a really good job with, making you feel hunted. Uh, and, man, there is nothing worse than seeing this thing, like, slither its way out of a duct above you and just being like, I don't have a game plan. Yep. <laughs> I guess run is the game plan. And very often you are not outrunning this thing. It no. will catch you. And then you will your camera perspective shifts down and its tail is piercing through your chest. I, the one, honestly, for some reason... Um, 
the, the sound effect of this of the creature coming in and out of the ducts because you hear the like mm-hmm. boom, 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 of the the air duct and then you hear that like that hiss with the clicks and like the drool oh my god dude it's like every time i played it yeah you'd be like it was like okay i gotta go from a to b to c okay i've made it to b i've taken down these working joes everything is going great i can see the computer that i have to get to and then you hear that thing come out of the fucking air duct and you're like okay never mind like i'm never mind abort like you know now we go to plan f because all my other plans are completely gone and that's another thing too with this game is like just getting, you know, just getting from point A to point B becomes a whole journey that I think if, you know, you have to, you have, going into it, you have to be prepared to have a little bit of patience. If you don't have patience, this game is not for you. Um, but if you're into that and if you really can enjoy, like, how do I get through a hospital room to get around this creature that is actively hunting me nonstop and... um no, that's great, man. I I love it. I um, yeah. I the alien creature too. They have um, one thing I was reading about uh, how they made it. It's it's got a whole bunch of like trackers on it, but then it's actually really cool too. Um, not the creature, but the design of the AI in the game actually has eyes on the back of its head. It has a very 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 limited um scope in terms of how far it can see but they know in a lot of stealth games like take metal gear solid for example you can walk right behind the enemy and nothing will ever happen to you and so to kind of work around that for this game they actually put eyes on the back of the creature's head which i think is genius so it's like the only way to avoid it is to avoid it and that becomes the game is how do you want to avoid this creature how do you want to deal with it um yeah Similar to The Last of Us. I don't know about you. You can craft items, but I barely use them. Um, The Noisemaker is probably my favorite, but, like, the Smoke Bomb, I never really use. The Molotov you use when, like, your flamethrower is gone. You use the guns on the humans and the Joes, but beyond that, I never really used a lot of them. I don't know. Did you? No, and and that part of it, I mean, felt like kind of a missed opportunity. You have this character whose sort of, you know, main function is that they're an engineer and they're sort of crafting, you know, I mean, I, I think Claymore's would have been, like, far more effective. Um, you know, improvised weaponry is one of those things where, in The Last of Us, if you know how to use it, these things are just incredibly intuitive and useful. And, you know, even the sort of more benign or non-damaging things have, like, a combat advantage. They they really give you. And, you know, in this game, like, I, it was always just easier to be just a solid shot, take it just a half a heartbeat longer to aim and make sure that you put the enemy down than it was anything else. So, yeah, it's funny. We both, we both pick survival horror games, but the horror is, um, is quite different. And I always like, I always like in life two things that are the same, but then comparatively are very different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the height of with the last of us too, at the height of the entire Last of Us franchise is the Rat King sequence. And the level of uh, discomfort I felt at playing that the first time is about the average medium of what I was feeling playing all of Alien Isolation. It was a much more effective horror game. Yeah, and it's, it's again, it's just got that dread. It's not a grotesque game, it's dread. It is absolute, like... 
I don't want to go down this hallway because it's spooky. And I don't like spooky hallways. Um, I also like the game, too. One thing that I like is it is a... Um, it's like a... It's a miniature... I'm going to say miniature in the terms of... It, it's a miniature uh, Metroidvania, you know? Yes, very, um, very much so. That was a comparison I was going to bring up because I, I absolutely love Metroidvanias. And part of the sort of delectability for me is that all of your, you know, new points of egress as you're sort of unlocking, having to go to different places, what they were doing was, you know, basically you have the small portable handheld torch and you have to upgrade this torch to be able to cut through increasingly stiffer materials to be able to open up more of the station where you can sort of transpose yourself into the next set of goals and, and on and on. And like, cool. Like I, some of the, the game got a bit of complaints that like the hacking mini games were a little bit annoying and most hacking mini games and games usually are. I felt this one wasn't too bad. I liked them. I thought they were retro as fuck and, and you know, yeah. Okay. They're not the most intuitive maybe, or maybe they're too repetitive, but I just enjoyed them thoroughly. I mean, I, how many hundreds of hours have people poured into Skyrim lockpicking in the exact same <laughs> Exactly. You know, sticking to some variety. And, um, but yeah, you know, similar to Metroid Video, it's like, yeah, okay, this door is locked. And then, yeah, you get a, you get a wrench and you can knock the physical lock off the door and then continue. And then, yeah, you get the hackers. So you can hack certain, it was all effectively getting through doors of some capacity up to like the torch. Same with your weapons. They slowly upgrade. You start with a pistol. By the end, you've got like a nail gun. You've got a, a shotgun, a flamethrower. The flamethrower is the only one that can work on the alien. It doesn't kill it, but it it it, um, it pulls Spooks it away. It. Yeah, yeah it, it sends them away. And I, I like that. I like um, that a little bit. Again, it, it I like games that let you fill the shoes as they go on. And I felt like this game did a really good job with that, of like easing you into like what all these things can do. And like you well, said, if you, if you stop and think about the conceit of like all these things just allow you to go through more doors. That's not what I was thinking. When I finally found like the most potent torch, and I think it's a blue or a purple flamed, you know, seriously, like a tungsten carbide steel cutting device, um, my first thought was, oh, fuck yeah, awesome torch. Now, I'm never going to use this torch to do anything but unlock more doors. But in the moment, I was like, now I have an awesome torch. <laughs> so. Oh, another thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, okay, I, see, again, it's funny, I don't even remember the names of the characters in the game that I'm trying to represent and talk about, but I, I say that in kind of a funny sense because it just, like, it doesn't really matter. Again, this game is very much about the experience. But anyway, uh, you just meet Prisoner. I don't even remember his name. He's just Prisoner. You meet him, and you're like, why is he a prisoner? And you realize through him how and why this creature got on the ship was actually... Yep. They had their own little mini-vessel. They found LV-426... What did you think of that sequence where you're just walking on the dereliction? Pretty, I thought it was pretty good overall. Um, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed just sort of the change of pace, honestly. Um, and I thought as a storytelling device, it was a very good storytelling device. Um, I'm having to remember, did you get to see the navigator at any point during the game? The, the, the creature in the chair? Yeah. Yeah, you can see him. He's there. Okay, yeah. So, so I think... Because I, I, I've played a fair amount of Alien games. So to me, like, the, I guess the Navigator sequence in this game was the thing that sort of stood out as, like, you have to nail that set piece. It has to be bigger than you think it should be in an uncomfortable way and wet and old and sh- sort of chitinous and dead. And 
you know, I think they pulled that off really well. I think the sequence, the other sequence that stuck with me was the, you've gone and reset the satellite dishes, and I believe there's a meteor shower that you pass through. I, I thought they really did a great job in terms of the tension there as well. There's a lot of really great set pieces. Uh, there's a reactor sequence also that stood out to me. There's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there's like probably half a dozen really excellent set pieces in the game that stuck with me, but sort of nothing more than the actual end of the game, which I thought they absolutely stuck the landing on um, and felt actually cinematic, like worthy of the franchise. Yeah, I like, I, I the the derelict ship, I, dude, I, I, was, I, was, I was a kid in a candy store during that because to actually be able to physically walk around that set um, and to see, you know, they, they call him the engineer, the space jockey, the navigator, all the same, all the same thing, uh, different names for the same thing. That whole set piece was awesome. And I did, I thought they did something really creative, which is that then they send you to the other end of the ship, not down where the eggs are. We know that from watching the first film, they send you to the other end and you actually turn, um, you turn the distress signal off. And this is yet again another thing that the game did really well that you could tell it was made by fans for fans because in the second film, Aliens, uh, Ellen Ripley's talking about that there was a distress signal coming from the ship and Waylon Yutani says, you know, we've been on that planet for years now and we haven't heard nor seen any distress signal. So this game gives like a little snippet as to an answer as to that's the reason why. It also did a really good job of um, intertwining Prometheus and the Alien franchise. I actually felt that this game does a better job intertwining those two films than some of the more modern Alien films, which I do like, but um, I loved it because you see that like blue energy come out and it was like, oh yeah, like that technology would exist in the ship. We just never saw it in the first film because we didn't have to go into it. And I, I just, I loved it. I was like, thank you. It, it's, it's a way to say all of this can exist in one and you can have a really great story and a really great game in this whole universe that was built from the first film. That's, again, not just about the space marines, but, again, about like the people that inhabit this universe and how they live and how they function. Oh, man, it's fucking it's great. Well, I think that touches on something that's very, very hard to do, which is, you know, Alien, the whole world in general, is a very, very vast world. I mean, we're talking about 40 years at this point plus of comic books, video games, books, films, uh, you know, references, you know, cultural references, films that aren't directly related but tie into it. I mean, even in Predator 2, when you go with the Predator spaceship, what's one of the skulls that's hanging on the wall in their collection of skulls? It's a xenomorph skull. You're talking about sort of a cultural powerhouse that's exceedingly well-documented but also very hard to tie together. So to have a development team that can nail the look, the feel, the sound, uh, story bites that are drawn from many different sources and give you something that's sort of fresh within that world without having to kind of reinvent any of it. Uh, it requires a lot of diligence. And so the other thing that this game left me feeling was that like it, there's a high degree of craftsmanship ultimately in it. And it, it certainly felt that way. I like to, the ending, the ending, 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 I really liked. You're, uh, you're back out on like a space walk and you're, you're doing the classic alien ending. You're going to blow up the ship the exact same way your mother did it by activating the four pillars. But what I liked was that, so the, there's a little bit of a twist in the game. There's not really any spoilers to this game. The only spoiler would be that 
there, you think there's only one alien creature, but you come to realize that, no, there's a whole nest. There's a bunch of them. Um, uh, and so at the end, you're out on this catwalk, and you're, you're, you're effectively you're going to blow up the ship, and these creatures just come one by one. And I, oh my God, I was like, you know, I because part of me was like, okay, I know she's going to live because, like, they say in Aliens that she's going, you know, to... Um, die in Wisconsin, you know, many years later. So, you know, that was kind of always in the back of my mind playing this game, but it was in that moment of like seeing these creatures and the thing that they also did really well in terms of story development is that the, the, the alien creature does have this moment of like a cat toying with the mouse, toying with its prey. And right there, like you got to experience that. And I don't think there's other games that have done that where you're, you're, you're trying to you're trying to blow up this ship, and these creatures are just sitting there and they're watching you, and they could kill you at any given point, but they watch. And it was just like it's like I don't know what you, but it was like fucking terrifying because it was just like you know, like you said, like if this was real life, there'd be a part of me that's like, dude, just take me, just get this fucking over with. But like, you got to keep going. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> about this game it's so simple is um the saving system yeah you have to you know you have to you you can't you you know a lot of games you know i'm sure you've heard the term like save scum where you just you know like um i'm playing divinity original sin 2 right now it's a great game but it's like enter a room there's the evil witch hit f6 yep uh, it's f5 and divinity but yep same thing yep yep, spam f5 Fight the boss, lose, and you're right back in the room, and you can try it all over again. Uh, Alien Isolation, it's 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 got the wall mounted saving spot, and they did something even better, which is that you see, you know, Amanda Ripley's arm with this like punch card go into a slot, and then it counts down like five seconds. You know, it's like bing, bing, bing. Yeah, and there's, I'm sure it happened to you, there was moments I was like, fucking come on, fucking come Uh, on, like, you're just screaming at this thing, because it's like, fucking save, because like, it'll even tell you, you get a little warning box, it's like, the alien creature is nearby, like, if it's like, super close to you, it'll give you a little warning, and you're like, I don't care, I fucking have to save, because like, it's been 20 minutes, which in this game is a fucking lifetime, um... Oh, it builds so it's such good tension where it's just yeah. like the act of saving the game is just a it's just a relief. It's just it's taking a shower after like the hardest workout that you've done in in weeks. And um, yeah, they I, they they. I bet you you could probably measure instead of the heart rate the cortisol level of someone who's just finished <laughs> playing this game for a week, and you would find it to be like up there with a mid eighties coke-fueled stockbroker you know (laughs) highly stressed yeah you could like finish this game and yeah like go pick up your couch with no problem and um um i think one of the other things that i did want to take note of is the game engine this game came out far enough from now that 
I think even when it came out, it could have looked dated, given the game engine. They did a really, really amazing job with lighting, with kind of like the war of light, with subtle like lensing effects, like uh, wearing your, you know, when you're outside spacewalking, having a helmet on does things to, you know, the way light scatters across the helmet. Like there's just a lot of visual depth or atmospheric depth to the game that to me gave it a greater sense of scale and distance and intimacy. And I think that was one of the things that going through the entire playthrough, what stood out to me was that they took a, a relatively old graphics engine that the company had used for the prior two games without really making any changes to it. And they basically built a tech demo that they presented to Atari at the time. And, and the tech demo was so good that Atari had told them no initially because there were three Three alien games being made at that very moment they were pitching. Tech demo was so good, Atari funded it. And it was specifically because of, you know, this attention to detail. Um, and I, I found it, you know, and actually playing it that it, you know, you can only, sure, you can do text-based games that are compelling. You can do games that have poor graphics that are compelling. But it sure helps to have really amazing graphics, especially if so much of what makes the Alien franchise so horrifying is that it is it lives, you know, all the creatures, all of the the danger is this pseudo-sexual, uncanny valley, not quite human, lithe dancer-like menace. That's a very visual thing, and if you can't knock it out of the park, you shouldn't be making an Alien game. Yeah, and I agree. I'm, I'm a person that, like, you know... Like, my favorite video game of all time ever, uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I, it's just, it is a 20 out of 10 star game. Great game. Great game. I love that game. It's my favorite game. And it's pixelated. You know, it's a it's a pixel 2D sprite game, and I love it. And I know graphics are a big thing for a lot of gamers. And I get it. I do. Immersion is great. Um, but, like, I recently went back. I don't know if you've noticed this. They have actually gone back and updated Quake. You can you can play Quake. With... Oh, I have. I, I'm sort of nascently aware of this, but but I would like to try that for sure. If you if you have Quake in your Steam library, uh, and if you don't, I think it's only like ten bucks now. Um, I, I I downloaded it, and it yeah, it does look different. Um, it feels the exact same. It sounds the exact same. It just looks a little bit differently. But it's kind of funny because it's like the game's still the same. You're running around with 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 a nail gun shooting zombie ogre monsters in the face and and I agree what I get what I'm getting is that like this game you need that the, the the environment is as important as like the guns of Call of Duty or Quake you know that that's what makes those games and yeah the the environment of this game and the mooding and the lighting like there's a part at the end of the game you have to make it to like a like a computer terminal, and then you got to turn around and go all the way back. And at this point, it, there is nothing left. It is only you and the alien creature. And you are about to make it to your destination, and the power goes out. And they make you go back. And that's the only point in the game where it's, like, genuinely pitch black. And I and there's you can't save. There's no save point. So it's just like, fuck, everything you just did, you have to do again. And that, like, that last... That last line in the dark of the game was just terrifying and yeah the environment is just like and like you said too like the little details yeah like the fog on the helmet i love it you know you're walking around and you're breathing and your your helmet of your spacesuit is fogging up and like oh dude it's so fucking dope so it is a game that feels filthy and moist and 
high tech in a 1970s way. And if that sounds like your jam, you're probably a Doctor Who fan, actually. <laughs> yeah. I venture to say. So. And this game will put you right in, and it's yeah, it's a total love letter to to all things alien. And and um, again, I'm so glad that they took a risk and that they could show that you know, again, the alien side of the alien universe is is something that can be adapted into more things with the right people and the right idea. And I I was so glad to see that. And I think a lot of other fans were too. Um, yeah, one thing I always kind of like to do is, you know, because everybody comes on and, you know, brings something and then I give them something, is always kind of compare the two. So one thing we were talking about, they're both survival horror games with crafting systems. Um, they're both female uh, lead character games, which is pretty cool. But Amanda, in terms of her character, like I said, is kind of minimal um, in terms of a character development and a character story. Uh, I kind of wish there was more there, but like, um, I'm trying to think what else, what other similarities do these, do these, do these two game franchises have in common? Um, I think, you know, they're, they're both trying to show you a kind of post-apocalypse and one of these obviously is sort of a fall of civilization due to, you know, uh, viral fungus zombies. (laughs) The other of these is what happens when, you know, all capitalism reigns supreme and all bets are off. Which is, in fact, oddly enough, a far more likely end result for us as people at this point. And I think, like, that, that is a very resonant and real part of the art. I think at the beginning of the podcast, you referenced that, you know, the faceless corporations and, and not really having to describe them, you know, hits home for you. And for me, it's, it's exactly the same because it really isn't that different from the world we're living in now. Um, so, uh, you know, vote. I guess just vote often. Uh, but, uh, but I think in terms of similarities, I think that, um, there's that sense of grime and the, the trip each character takes, taking a piece of them at each step. And, uh, the sense of, um, sort of increasing and decreasing momentary sort of breaks in tension. I think rhythmically the games have a lot in common. And for me, that's a big driver of interest in playing a game is wanting to see sort of what taut moment sort of waits around the next corner. Um, but I do think that they're also very, very, very different games. I think, you know, isolation, alien isolation, you know, nothing is really like, there's no real deep dive into the fact that like Amanda Ripley is a woman it's mentioned at all. You know, and, and congratulations to Waylon Yutani if they're truly that like post gender in the future. Somehow maybe I'm wrong about, you know, arch capitalism, but, uh, but you know, I think that that would be a very interesting conversation to have. And, and it just doesn't really come up in that world. And I think that the last was, does a much better job of kind of like, mining sociological differences and, and kind of putting that stuff on display in a way that's, that's challenging and interesting and um, very progressive. Um, I also don't think there's like a lot of time to have that conversation when there's a Xenomorph yeah. after you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 There are moments weird if they stopped and tried in any real way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's moments in the last of us where it's like, okay, we're going to set up camp and we're going to have, eight hours to talk, you know, and, and alien isolation. Yeah. You know, the, the whole, the whole story takes place in a matter of hours, you know, not days. So you will have a finite amount of time to get through everything. Um, 
It's funny that you mentioned though again about the um, the the, the um, her being a woman, and it's not really played in to the story of any capacity. But one really kind of cool, fun little fun fact about the first Alien film is that Dan O'Bannon wrote the script that all the characters could be played by men or women. It didn't matter; they were interchangeable. Um, and so then Tom Skerritt, who plays Dallas in the first film, had originally actually auditioned for Ripley because in in the in the movie they never say any of their first names, only their last name. So when your last name is Ripley. That's a male and a female's last name. So um, that is something that I thought was really cool that I think then kind of fits into this as well, that like really any of the characters could be portrayed by anybody. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so so to that end, I just, uh, you know, I went to the internet myself and I, because I, I remembered this little sliver of detail in Aliens, uh, Joan Lambert um, is actually... Uh, was gender altered from male to female. And you actually see that in her medical document as it flashes on the screen briefly. Oh, I never, huh. I never knew So that. there is a transgender character in Aliens. Yeah, so so maybe we're, you know, maybe there's more in common here than we think. And I think obviously there's, uh, there's something to be mined in terms of like the way The Last of Us 2 is really looking at like internal narratives and character arcs and growth in general. And that's something that like Alien Isolation doesn't really dwell on that much because it's much more of a survival horror game than it is a a horror platform for telling a more human story. Um, and, you know, that's sort of to taste. I mean, I, I got a lot out of Alien Isolation uh, it definitely did not dethrone my most beloved, but at the same time, I think that it, it's a different, uh, if your nutrition requires more horror and more patience and more sneaking and more just constantly being nervous, uh, then I cannot recommend a better game. It's, it's a fabulous environmental engine for making you uncomfortable. Yeah, that, that should just be the tagline. <laughs> this is a machine yep. that will make you uncomfortable. Play it. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, well, I'm glad you liked it. I like it too. I, I, yeah. Like I said, I when I was losing my mind when this game came out, I saw the 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 actually you had the chance to look up the original trailer that they released in the public. Uh, that actually is really good too. Um, and uh, well, I'm glad you liked it. I liked it too. Uh, I would recommend it. Would you recommend it? Oh yeah, for sure. I I, I have recommended it actually already. <laughs> so. Yes, I have somebody to to who, for whom I felt like they did not have enough upper lip sweat. On a <laughs> so. um, and that's I I see what you did there. That's actually a, a little aliens joke because Burke's character's lip is sweating when he's lying in the um, interrogation under the Marines. But anyway, I digress. I well, um, anything else on Alien Isolation? I you know I don't think so. I think you know. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I appreciate that you picked it, and I definitely, like, it was it was a game that I'd always thought about playing, and I always found an excuse not to, and you gave me an excuse to play a really fantastic, uh, again, engine for nervous making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it's a, it's a good experience. It's a, it's, I would say, like, yeah, if you want if you want a 10 out of 10 story, go play The Last of Us 1 and 2. Uh, if you want to... Do want to take three little poops on a regular basis. Yeah, if you want to... Isolation. 10 out of 10, it, 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 horror experience then yeah alien isolation will do it and like um, all right well uh all right i'm gonna hang up the phone now because we're gonna talk for six and a half hours so um, and I, I have a wife to smooch and you have a net to i guess 
What are you? What did you just? Do you harangue the gnats? Do you harass the gnats? Uh, do you rub the gnats' feet? What's what's coming up next for you and the gnat? The gnat, we uh, harassment, yes, but no more than more than that. Um, we're cuddlers. We're big cuddlers. So we got a big old we got a big old cuddle session coming up. So excellent. excellent. Uh, um, I want you in like a surprise noogie. All right, Delio. Uh, well, <laughs> everybody, thanks for thanks for chiming in. Um, um, yeah, this has been the U Show Show. It's been a huge pleasure. I'm so sorry to have wasted so much of your life, but. It's partly Calvin's fault, too. So. Yes, yeah, exactly. But I, I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Chris, for being here. Thanks for showing me The Last of Us, and thanks for talking about Alien Isolation. Uh, as my friend Janine would say, extra mouths mean extra kisses. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>